Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, if everybody could just open up your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. We're going to take a look at uh, the next section of Jonah. Last week we looked at Jonah chapter 1, and up on the slide right now you see the 17th verse, which says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So that's where we left off, and what we're going to do is just a little review, and we're going to take you through a few of the verses. Here you'll see um, Nineveh, Joppa, and Tarshish. You can see the distance between Nineveh and Tarshish was 2,694 miles. So Jonah lived not quite halfway between Joppa and Nineveh. He lived in the Galilee region. So when he was told by the Lord to go to the Ninevites, he didn't want to go simply because they were an enemy nation. And if you think of today, if you were asked to go over to Iran or Iraq and preach the gospel, would you go, uh, knowing that there is a vicious element over there that could kill you? Or think back in the days of Hitler in the 40s, if you were a Jew, asked by God to go to Berlin to talk about the Lord, would you go? Well, this gives you a little idea of how Jonah felt as he was asked to go to Nineveh, a very barbaric nation. So rather than obey the Lord, he went down to Joppa, got a boat, and he sailed to Tarshish. But the Lord had other plans for him. So we see in verse 1 of Jonah 1, God's call. And you can look at Matthew 28, 16 to 20, that talks about that. And then the next thing is Jonah's response to God's call in Isaiah 6, 8. Then I said, here I am, send me. Is that a cry of your heart and my heart? Do we want to be the individual person that says, hey, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Because I know you're going to lead me and you're going to empower me by your Holy Spirit. In verse 4, we looked at the storm that God sent upon the waters that not only got Jonah's attention, but got the pagan Gentiles who were on the boat. What storm are you going through today that God is trying to get your attention? And how are you going to respond? We saw last time that Jonah, if you remember, went deep into the belly of the boat and he fell asleep while the sailors up top were trying to keep the boat upright and they were doing everything in their power. They were even calling on their gods. But their gods did no good because they were false gods. They finally went down to Jonah and they cast lots to see what was going on. And Jonah finally had a profession of faith in verse 9. And in that profession of faith, faith like our profession of faith, that we're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to all who believe, to the Jew and to the Gentile. Well, Jonah, in verse 9, 
said that he was a Jew and he served the God of the land and the sea. And then in verse 12, it talks about Jonah's sacrifice. Hey guys, you throw me over, you're going to be okay. One man's sacrifice to save the boat. Sound familiar? One man, one man sacrificed to save this boat world that we live in. We're sailing along on the earth. One man died on the cross to save you and me. Isn't it interesting that Jonah was a Jewish person, just like our Savior came to be a Jew, and he died on the cross, the God-man, to save the earth. But how many Gentiles have come to salvation? as a result of his sacrifice for our sins. And we see in verse 16 that the Gentiles on the boat all profess faith and trust in the living God of Jonah. And then in verse 17, where we're picking up tonight and then going into chapter 2, now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. What has the Lord prepared to swallow you. What has the Lord prepared to swallow me? What a journey Jonah must have had as he went in to this great fish. What was he thinking? And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three minutes, then took a nice hot shower, went home, got some good food, no. He was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. In Psalm 139.7, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? And it's a beautiful song that we've sung before. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold... You are there. Jonah found this out to be true. And if you look at some of the uh, pictures that I put up there, here's a girl in quicksand. Here's a baby in the womb. Here's a person in prison. And there's Jonah in a scuba outfit. What is about or has swallowed you? Where are you living right now, everybody, individually? Where are you? Well, I think in this story tonight that there's a lot that God wants to speak to you and me. So let's, I'm going to read chapter 2 and then go back to pull out some key points. So if you just follow along, chapter 2 of Jonah. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul, the deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. and went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. You have brought up my life from the pit, 
O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Some great adventure this man had. It's going to be cool to see Jonah in heaven and just talk to him about what took place. What were you thinking? You know, what was going on? And we get some insight into it here. Jesus validated the authenticity of Jonah in Matthew 4, 21 and Luke eleven twenty nine. To 32. So let's just look at that, okay, everybody? Let's go to Matthew 4, verse 21. This is a cool thing about Jesus Christ. He's taken care of all the skeptics. He's taken care of anyone who come and could throw a doubt or a wrench into our belief system. Let them do that. It only gets us deeper into our faith, especially as we investigate what is here in this book. In Matthew 4, verse 21, it says, Going on from there, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I think I gave you the wrong scripture, guys. Let's try Luke 11. Luke 11, verse 29. I see Jonah towards the end of 29, so I can relax. Okay, Luke 11, verses 29 to 32. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation." The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. So what... Jesus was doing in validating the story of Jonah. He was comparing what he was going to go through to what Jonah was going to go through. The actual swallowing of this person, Jonah, for three days and three nights, and he was going to use that as an example of his resurrection. So now we have a Jewish man thrown overboard, to save the people that were on the boat. He's swallowed by this great fish. 
He's in that fish three days and three nights. Now think about that. Think about the temperature inside the fish. Think about the smell inside the fish. Think about what's going on while he's alive. He's alive now. Some think that there was an actual death of Jonah, but either way, just think of what he was going through. And now when we go back to the 1241. All right, let's take a look at that. Matthew 1238. Thanks, Maria and Christine. Matthew 12, beginning with verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given it to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. And the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. So we see another scripture with Luke that just gives you Matthew's take as Luke gave his take on how Jesus used Joan in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Let's go back to the text. Notice what Jonah did first when he was in the belly of the whale or the belly of the fish three days and three nights in verse 1. He prayed. He prayed. And he prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. If you weren't here with us in chapter 1, guess what he didn't do? He didn't pray. He didn't seek God's guidance. Notice when he's seeking God's guidance. When he's between a rock and a hard place. Can you relate? Can you relate to that? Sure we can. The Lord wants a relationship with you and I that's based on love. Period. That's it. He wants us to have Communication with him every day. In the good and the bad. In the indifferent times. It's cool that Jonah felt God's grace and mercy that he could still pray in the belly of the fish. What are you going through? And maybe you're reluctant to pray because you're angry at the Lord. Maybe there's something going on that there's some resentment there. Why am I going through this mess? I've read my Bible. I've prayed to the Lord. But I feel isolated. I feel distraught. In verse 2, Jonah says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. How awesome is our God that he will always give you an answer to your prayer. Might not be the one you want, but it is an answer. 
and it might not come right away. You might have to wait a while. Think of some of the saints that have had to wait. Moses had to wait 40 years. Noah had to wait almost 100. I don't think you and I have to go through that kind of thing with the way the timetable's moving on this earth. But God is always testing your heart and my heart to see where our allegiance lies. And if we're blowing it, it's not too late as long as we're still hearing, breathing, and seeing. Just like Jonah had another chance. And it says here, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. Sheol is another word for hell. Grave, the pit. Places we don't want to ever be in and we don't have to be there because of what Jesus Christ did by sacrificing his life for you and for me. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed me over. Now, if you've ever gone swimming or body surfing, and a lot of you are from the shore area that go down to the beach when you were a little kid, what happens when you ride in a wave and you wipe out? Right? For a few seconds, maybe six, seven, eight seconds, you're tumbling all around. You don't know which way is up and which way is down. But you surfaced. I know that because I can see you now. You made it. But think of that disorientation that you might have went through. Think of this guy, what he went through with all the waves and all this stuff going by him. I bet there was a lot of fish coming by him too. He felt like he was in an aquarium with this great fish eating also. And Jonah was one of the morsels of food. But even the fish didn't have control over Jonah and his outcome. Nor do your circumstances or mine. They're not in control of what the final outcome is. The story is not about Jonah or the fish or the Ninevites. It's about God. It's about our God, the one we serve. We get to see another glimpse of his character, his heart, his love, his mercy, his, great, his grace. The outcome of things that we can't figure out sometimes. Verse 4, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. I have been cast out of your sight. Do you ever feel like God has turned his back on you? Well, guess what? Jesus felt that way when he took all your sins and my sins on himself. And he said, my God, my God, Father, why have you forsaken me? And I think if we saw, well, we know the heart of the Father. He said, I'm forsaking you, son, just for a short time because I see all my wonderful daughters and sons that are going to be here for eternity one day, and it's worth it all. And Jesus goes, you're right, Dad. You're right. And he said it was finished. He paid the price. And now we're part of that whole great system that God set in motion before the creation of the world. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple, you know, we don't have to face east, west, north, or south. I don't know which way Jonah was facing in the belly of the great fish. I don't know if he had a good fish compass or something back then. But which way was he facing? That fish was going through the seas, up and down. Who knows where he was going? You don't have to face any direction, for you are the temple of God's Holy Spirit. 
Doesn't matter if you stand on the chair, lay down, stand on your head, kneel. Doesn't matter your posture. It's a position of only one thing, and that's your heart. And we see here with Jonah, he had some hope. He said, I'm going to look again towards your holy temple. He didn't know how, but he must have said, boy, I'm in some circumstance, and I'm still thinking, and I'm praying. Lord, what do you got in store? And I wonder if he said, Lord, I don't want to miss your miracle. You and I don't want to miss the miracle that God has for us, regardless of what we're going through. Verse 5, the water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. You know, we were in the pit. We had the world system surrounding us, burying us, beating us up. We were on a highway to hell. For you old rockers, we're on a highway to hell. But he stopped the boat. He got off the boat. He died for you and for me. So now we're on the highway to heaven because of what he's done, not because of what we've done. Remember, God caused this fish. He sent the fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was running from the Lord. But you might say, well, Vin, I'm not running from the Lord, and I feel like I'm in the belly of that fish. When you don't know what's going on in your life, and you can't trust the circumstances that are going on, it just doesn't make any sense. Trust those things that you know about Jesus. Hang on to the things that you know about him. For what he's already done in your life, what he's done in others' lives, what he's done through the history of the scriptures. He's not done with you and me yet. We're not at our final destination. We're still traveling through and we still have an influence on people. We influence people for the good or the bad. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. You're here tonight because you know the Lord. You're remembering him. You're taking time out in your week. You're spending time, as the Bible says, to meet with others and fellowship together and get into his word. And not to deny yourself doing that by yourself, but there's something special when you come together in a group and you can have like-minded saints praying with you. Or maybe you're going through fishy experience that stink and you can't figure it out, but you, the smell of somebody else is the same smell that you can identify with. You can relate to that other person who's going through a whale of an experience. And you can ride it out together through prayer and love and hugs and fellowship. What I want to do is there's a song I want to play. And um, let me just get this here. It's called Nothing is Beyond You. And it talks about the love of God. The last verse in that song says, 
I cannot explain the way you came to love me except to say that nothing is beyond you. Think about that. Think about it, the greatness of God. And the last line is, his love for you and me. I can't, I can't even fathom that. But nothing is beyond him. I mentioned before that Jonah was a Jew. Now, the Jews were supposed to be a blessing to the whole world in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. That's where it talks about those who bless you, I'll bless, and those who curse you, I'll curse. And Jonah was supposed to help save the lost. Instead, the lost were saving him. Remember, Jonah, as we read, he was a prophet. He was a man chosen by God to bring hope to a dying world. You and I are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, with a hope that the world doesn't have. We're to bring that hope to a dying world. In Jonah chapter 1, uh, where they cast him over to the fish, I was just thinking of this this week. What do you and I need to cast over the boat and let go? that we need to throw into the sea, to let it drown. Maybe habits, maybe ideas, maybe personality, part of your personality. What is it that the Lord has been showing you that you need to cast away so that God can use you in a more productive way? Because that's his will for you, for you to be in his image, not in your image. He had a message of hope to a dying world. But instead, the very Gentiles that he could have preached to were coming to him and stirring up his spirit where he finally professed the Lord. And isn't it something that Jonah is also a type of the Jewish nation? Think about it, that we became believers in the Messiah as a result of the Jewish people not accepting the Messiah. Now, good news is there's more Jewish people in the last 20 years that have come to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior than ever before, and more will be coming. We have it in the Scriptures. So God has not forgotten the dear Jewish person or nation of Israel. So pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's very important. With that, one of the most difficult things for you and me is when do we pray? Is it just during the Jonah moments? No. Remember about the love relationship, the communication? You love somebody, you're going to talk with them every day. So you talk to God before something, during something, after something. You pray without ceasing. Develop that habit. They say habits start after 30 days. We'll start 30 days today. Start talking to your Lord and Savior during your dead times. Be real with them. Tell them your hurts, your concerns, your doubts. Tell them what, how you feel inside. He's a dad that cares. In Jonah 2.9, we jump back. It says in verse 8 and 9 as we wrap up, Those who regard worthless idols... 
forsake their own mercy. Now remember, you might not bow down before a statue or a golden calf, or, but I think in, the, in 2015, remember an idol is anything that takes Jesus off the throne, either for a long time or temporarily. So what is it that you put on the throne of your life? I remember when I first came to the Lord, those little tracks that had the throne and um, you were on the throne or I was on the throne. They had the person on the throne and around the throne were all different things. You know, it, it was God and sports and family and, and girlfriend or uh, hobbies. But until Jesus was on the throne, none of that other stuff was in the proper order. So just check yourself out. Who's on your throne? If Jesus is there, bow down and keep talking to him. If he's not there, just put him there. Just say, Lord, hey, I'm sorry. I haven't had you on the throne. I need you back on the throne and take myself off and my wants off. Notice you forsake your own mercy when you have an idol on that throne. You're forsaking your own mercy. God wants to touch your life. Now, Jonah forsook his own mercy, and you saw what happened to him. But God's love is so evident in the story of Jonah. And we'll see that in chapters 3 and 4 when we get there. The other thing before we finish up is, remember, Jonah, Jonah was an angry guy. He had anger in his heart. He had vindictiveness in his heart for the Ninevites. And if, guess what? If it was in there for the Ninevites, guess what? It was in there for some of his neighbors, too. Think about that. Think about some of the inner sins that he was dealing with. And the Lord was going after Jonah, too, because he loved Jonah. He wanted to clean Jonah up by putting him in a messy, stinky fish. Verse 9, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Remember where Jonah was when he said this, please. He wasn't at the Thanksgiving table. He was in the belly of the great fish when he said, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I think of Romans 12, 1 and 2, that you and I every day should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Jesus, because that's the right thing to do. And then read his love letters, because that's going to change you. That's going to transform your mind so you're not conformed to what's going out in the world. There's so many things bombarding all of us as believers, as well as non-believers. I will pay what I have vowed. What have you vowed when you said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner? Please forgive me, Lord. I, I know you died on the cross for me to wash away my sins. Come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Did you mean it? That's a vow. How much did you mean that? Are you willing to go to the depths of the ocean or the height of the sky for Jesus Christ? What's your vow worth? Is it worth anything? And he paid the greatest price. He shed his blood for you and for me. Now, one of the things in that verse is salvation is of the Lord. But when you look up salvation in the Hebrew, it's, um, look, Yeshua-ah. But notice Yeshua 
is the Hebrew name for Jesus. So when I was studying this, I was saying salvation is Jesus. Salvation is Jesus. And you have the Hebrew word is of the Lord. And the Lord is the all-existing one. It's, it's the name of God. So you have Jesus, second person of the Trinity, is of the Lord, is of the Father. You have two of the parts of the Trinity there, the Father and the Son. And Yeshua is the Hebrew name. I said that Hamashiach um, is the Hebrew name for Messiah. So you have Yeshua, Hamashiach. He's our Messiah. He's the Messiah that was written in the Old Testament, in the prophecies of the Old Testament. So here we have in Jonah, as we finish here, so the Lord spoke to the fish. I wonder if it was the same fish family centuries later that Jesus told one of his apostles to go down, catch a fish, and open up its mouth, and it'll have uh, the taxes to pay to Caesar. How cool is that? That the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And there's our boy. Was his beard black before he got into that fish? Probably. But just think of that whole thing. If you're on a journey that you're not understanding right now, understand that God is bringing you to a destination that you would not arrive at of your own doing. And if you can say, Lord, though you slay me, like Job said, Lord, though you slay me, I will still trust in you. You're right there. You're good. It's good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, not just the good ways, good, bad, and different, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. When Jonah cried out and prayed to the God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He started traveling in the right direction. And he didn't have to do this and swim. The very circumstance that he was in was bringing him to the place that God wanted him to be and could use him in a mighty way. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.